when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job, and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, <laughs> like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. It's time for Carolina football. So get the fuck out of your seats. Spurs up. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I was just saying off air, damn glad we didn't record this thing about 30 minutes ago (laughs) because we Uh just found out the schedule's been all changed on us. Jeez Louise, Mike. I tell you what, it's like, hey, do you guys want to play the 0-10 team? Vanderbilt? No? Oh, okay. Let's just take a bye week. It's just like, that's, a, that's Tennessee right there, man. I'm not saying that we would win this Nash, this Vanderbilt game, but you definitely would say uh, odds are in your favor of like the remaining games that you have. So I was kind of, I was with you, Mike. I was kind of looking for a victory here and getting these balls back on track. But I will say this, Mike, I did get a damn depth chart released earlier today and had old Garantano there at quarterback, so you know what? I, maybe they do need to take another week off, Mike. <laughs> well, it's wise never to read too much into the depth chart, but uh, common sense. Also, you can't read into that at, at Tennessee at the moment either, but Mm-mm. I was going to say Shane, Arkansas, now a two-point favorite over Missouri. We can throw that out the window. That's the whole reason there's no Tennessee-Vanderbilt game if you missed it. So the issue, apparently, Arkansas has got COVID issues. Mm-hmm. They're not given any specifics. Obviously, they just played a game against LSU, and they barely had enough guys to play there. So, unfortunately, it sounds like it, the situation's even worse. So can't play Arkansas-Missouri. And for whatever reason, the SEC has said, well, hell, let's play Missouri-Vanderbilt this weekend. <laughs> the great Missouri-Vanderbilt rivalry. we got to get that one in during rivalry weekend. So... That uh, moves Tennessee Vanderbilt off the slate, and this comes. So Tennessee's fine; they're healthy. Yes, sir. As as is Vanderbilt. Golly, Mike! I mean, golly, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about this for a second. They just took a damn game from us. I didn't know that. I thought maybe because I knew the court, the damn basketball team was dealing with some COVID stuff. So I was just thinking naturally. <laughs> football team's dealing with it as well and you're telling me that they're healthy and can play this week and the sec stole a game from us 
That's exactly what I'm saying. And there's oh, no guarantee right. that, uh, you know, next week or the week after or what have you, that Tennessee's will be fine. You know what I mean? So it's like. Who can we play? Can we play somebody? Can, is that going to happen or are we just done? We could get BYU on the line. They said anywhere, anyway, anytime, whatever. Let's do it, man. Let's fucking let's do it, man. Let's get BYU out here. I don't I don't want to buy week. That's crazy. We've done had enough bye weeks. If we got a healthy team that we can field, let's play them. Yeah, now they're makes... all going to get COVID on Thanksgiving because <laughs> you sent them home, Mike. <laughs> oh my! Oh man, this is a this is a nightmare scenario. Jeremy Pruitt needed this one. We needed this one. Yeah, so it's getting all kind of wonky out here, but it's 2020. Like you said, it's out of our control. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, other schedule, not officially news. I don't want to get anyone too excited about this, but typically on uh, the Monday morning, the SEC announces the kickoff times and television lineup for the week ahead. They decided not to do that this week, Shane. So speculation running rampant that the SEC is just going to blow up the entire schedule here uh, the last weeks of the schedule here because they – you know, they want to get Alabama and LSU in, and they're just trying to figure out how to get all these games in, and, and I think they're going to completely blow everything up. Yeah, I, I this doesn't make sense. And, yeah, I, I mean, I knew that they were going to adjust the schedule, but to, to make a healthy team sit, doesn't it just doesn't add up to me. Um, I, I I mean, what 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 is the rest of the team's – on do you have the schedules real quick what what has vanderbilt got past this week i mean obviously they're going to be playing mizzou now what mm-hmm. what did they have left georgia and that's it okay so they just had, they just had one game okay what about well, uh, well they they had two they had missouri as well obviously so that's that's the one they moved up yeah okay so they got mizzou they've got uh georgia, georgia. and tennessee Okay, now what does uh, Mizzou have? They have. They were supposed to play Arkansas. That's the one that got postponed. Uh-huh. They got Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Mississippi State and oh, Vanderbilt. and they they also have Georgia. Okay, what's what's Georgia doing this week? They doing anything? Georgia's South Carolina. Can they do two games in one day? Is that possible? <laughs> Just meet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, here's something I, I want to add even more confusion to this. Remember uh, the SEC, it was about a week or two ago, they said, well, hell, we're going to make it to where, you know, we can change these games up to five days before. Uh-huh. So we've already lost Arkansas, and I guess that's part of it. Maybe that's why they're switching these damn games around. But if anyone else gets hit, who knows? Like you're saying here, Shane, we're trying to put this – jigsaw puzzle together we may lose another game and then and then maybe tennessee will have a game so i mean this thing is getting crazy well i mean this i mean it could be fun it could be fun man i mean uh clearly i'm I'm upset because this is my favorite week as you know as fans know i've been talking about for three weeks now thanksgiving (laughs) it's all about football family and now you're like taking my football away mike that kind of hurts that hurts they cut a little deep Here's a scenario for you, Shane. I don't think this is going to happen. I'm not wishing ill on Kentucky, but they're having COVID issues. Uh-huh. You know, they were thin. They lost. They were down so many guys at Alabama. If they had some kind of issue, they're playing Florida this week. Like if that game goes out the window, maybe boom, Florida Gators coming up to Tennessee for Thanksgiving. Well, hell yeah, I'll go for that. I mean, honestly, I 
I'd rather play Vanderbilt, but you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe that would work out. Yeah, get your game script, game planning for uh, the the Big Blue Nation, and then all of a sudden you got to mix things up. And there's Tennessee just sitting there. So uh, I'm not saying it's the element of surprise, but I, I still think that's going to be a good game because typically it is. And uh, yeah, I, I'm up for that. I just want some football, man, and and. I, I clearly I understand the COVID situation with Arkansas, but Arkansas affecting another program. Uh, you know what? They make the big bucks to make these decisions. Surely we're going to get our games in if they're doing something like this. Surely there's a reason, and we're just not picking up on it right now. Let me ask you this real quick, because you know we're probably not going to be able to talk a lot of Tennessee this week now that there's no game being played, uh-huh. at least as of this recording. Any positive here? I know, like you said, you'd much rather play Vanderbilt than Florida, but you got Florida now two weeks away. Mm-hmm. If, and that is a big if, apparently. It, it shouldn't be, but it is. If Harrison Bailey is taking over at starting quarterback, two weeks to prepare for Florida Gators, they're not going to, they're playing a physical Kentucky team. We're going to preview that game in just a moment. I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that for as a Tennessee Homer with uh Harrison Bailey potentially having, you know, twice as much prep time as uh, as he would for a normal game? Well, twofold, Mike. I, I think the biggest one is typically quarterbacks that you don't have a lot of film on seem to do better in their first game. Uh, I mean, you look at the LSU with the tank coming in, you know, he had a fantastic mm-hmm. game. The, the film got out, the script got out, he struggled the following week. So right. um, obviously Harrison had a little bit of action against the Auburn game, but again, that last drive, it was a vanilla defense. The the drive before, he, he did do some good things, but he also did some bad, and I just don't, I don't think he was in his element just yet. So yeah, I think when I was talking about the element of surprise, I think that's exactly what they would have if they planned on rolling a freshman quarterback out there. And to be honest with you, I, I think it's a great team to do it. Now, I know I know Florida's been playing great, but their defense has still been questionable. It's like if you were going to to break in a quarterback that loves to throw the football, Florida could be the team, man. I mean, another team, too, that does has been struggling with the run, too. So uh, I, 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 I think that I think they match up well. So I, I definitely I definitely could see the spin zone here. And. You know, I'm not trying to hype it. I'm getting way ahead of myself here, Shane. Yeah. But I mean, I've already, I was, I've already. If if Harrison Bailey first start beats the Florida Gators, I mean, what what kind of damn legend is he gonna be on Rocky Top? Jeez, you know that kneeling statue down there? They put one right beside <laughs> Big Fifteen sitting there. <laughs> I like the way you think, but that's that is the cart way in front of the horse. <laughs> That's what you know. That's the beautiful thing about optimism, Mike. Right now, if they're not going to play, at least we could talk about how good they could have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we do got some great games here, some rivalry games. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. Uh, my my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. 
So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should we should mix those games up, and you should um, you know play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a sec. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so we're not going to break down all the games just yet. We're still waiting on the several press conferences to take place, which um, about half of them will be on Tuesday. But we got to start here, Shane, with a game that I don't think gets enough respect. It's one of my favorite SEC games, the Egg Bowl. Mm-hmm. First time ever with Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. First one for both these guys. So, you know, this has just been going back to Dan Mullen and Hugh Freeze and Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke. I mean, it's tempered a little bit. These guys are certainly trying to temper the uh, the hatred, if you will, with this rivalry. But I got a sense that uh, once these two play, these teams meet on the field, I think all this uh, friendliness and, and good vibes and all this, that's going to go out the window because this is a game that, uh, you know, Kiffin and, and Leach, we're going to get to their comments here in a minute. They're, they kind of downplay it a little bit, but you wait and see, Shane. They lose this damn game. They're going to find out real quick how important this game is to not only the fan bases, but hell, just, you know, the casual person in that state. Dude, this rivalry doesn't get enough love. Uh, it, it felt like it finally did last year uh, when that game. I mean, it was a, it was a dogfight. You say what you want. That that team came down to the very last play. You didn't know which way it was going to go. These guys hated each other, and I think a lot of it stems from the coaching staff that we had last year. Okay, if you think you got uh, you had Coach Luke down there, totally invested in the Rebel program. Uh, you know, he, he played there. I mean, he knew how big this rivalry was. Um, you know, I, I don't know if uh, if Joe did as much, but you got to remember this is a program that was uh, that was staffed with a lot of Dan Mullen's guys. And if anybody knew how to throw some propaganda out there and get their, their <laughs> players pumped up, it was Dan Mullen, man. He was all Mississippi State. So these these two looked forward to playing each other every single year. Um, and it feels like this coaching staff that we have now's lost a little bit of his luster because I don't I don't think they see it as much as a rivalry as we do. But I'm going to tell you, man, both rosters are full of players that know each other, grew up around each other, and hate each other one Saturday a year. Previous to last week, Shane, when we saw Mississippi State come to life, didn't even have a full roster here, gave Georgia – all they could handle. I know JT Daniels kind of lit them up, but I, I think that was the – I don't want to say that was the game plan, but the game plan for Mississippi State certainly seemed to be, you know, let's limit their running attack. And, yet, hell, every Mississippi State fan in the world, if you would have told them, hey, we're going to limit them to eight rushing yards, they would have loved their chances. And it's why they almost won the damn game here. So I know Ole Miss, you know, they're probably seeing some stuff on film that they can exploit – this Mississippi State defense, which has been very underrated. We've been saying that all season long. But beyond those issues, all of a sudden, this looks like it could be a really 
really competitive match. And I would not have said that as as soon as a week ago. I thought Ole Miss would just beat the hell out of Mississippi State. Now that we've got you know rid of some guys maybe that don't want to be there, we've seen what we can accomplish if we come together. Uh, thoughts on you know how competitive of a game this could be here in uh, in the Egg Bowl, dude. This this could be the funnest game that you've seen in a long time. I mean, there's potential that this could be a 200-point game. I ain't going to lie, Mike. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) They have the potential to just – I mean, both of them. I I know Mississippi State's got a good defense, but Ole Miss has got a fantastic offense. And and I think if this thing gets to a daggone shootout, buddy, this may look like one of them, you know, pack teams, you know, going at it. That's that's what I'm thinking. So – if you like fireworks, don't don't expect a defensive struggle in this thing. I mean, I mean, they may be cute at first, but eventually the floodgates are going to open up, and this is going to be a fantastic game to watch. Well, you know, it is kind of funny that you say that because, hell, both these guys coached in the Pac-12. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right there. So, let's kick it over to Lane Kiffin. What's the what's over under on this thing? Like eighty? If it's under eighty, I'm I'm going all in. Over under, yeah, it's uh, sixty six and a half. I mean, I gotta, I gotta clear it with uh, Chris, the weather guy. But uh, you know, I make sure there's no inclement weather that I'm not, you know, factoring <laughs> in. But if not, man, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm about getting all into this one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shay, well, let's kick it over to uh, Lane Kiffin, heading into his first egg bowl on Otis Reese. Remember the, uh, they finally got his waiver. He was supposed to make his debut last week, but course the game got postponed so that was kind of unfortunate and then uh kiffin shares his thoughts on uh mississippi state coming off their best performance of the season just wanted to know kind of what you to the extent that you knew of like the rivalry of the egg bowl before you got here um based on like who you talked to what you can kind of like expect for uh for this specific rivalry and just like your thoughts on it well <clears throat> i'd known about it you know just from watching i think you know, used to be on Thanksgiving a lot, and then, um, you know, my brother being here for a number of years, so um, <clears throat> knew it was always really competitive and a big deal around here, and so, um, you know, it's a big deal. Lynn, I know State's been having some numbers issues the last couple of weeks. Have there been any conversations about their status, or is everything good to go from what you've heard? Uh, we have not heard anything, um, so fortunately our guys did a good job, um, you know, over the weekend, even though he didn't play, we kept him around. And uh, yesterday we were 100%, so hopefully we keep that up. Lane, you mentioned kind of a parody in rivalry games before. Based on like your experience in them, obviously, in your years of coaching, what kind of added element does like a rivalry, especially one of like this magnitude of the eight bowl, what kind of role does that kind of play in any matchup? Well, I mean, you know, when it's in-state, it's a big deal. Um, and, you know, People talk about it impacting recruiting, uh, which it can, you know. So, uh, and two new coaches, this is a it's a big game. So we need to play really well. And then there, uh, a quick follow up I had on that too. State sitting at two and five on the year, and obviously you've seen some of the struggles they've had, and taking a little bit of a step forward against Georgia. Do you think they're better than a two and five team? Better than uh, what their record says they are based on the tape you've seen on that. Well, I think it just depends on which game you watch. You know, um, sometimes you know, just like the George game, they could have won that game um, against a really good team on the road. Uh, you know, like I said, with a new quarterback that had he not been eligible and medically cleared, you know, I think 
you know, they ran the ball for eight yards, so uh, he made a big difference throwing for 400. Playing with, uh, with Otis having set out uh, so much of the season, what, what is a reasonable expectation for him uh, to be able to contribute in the game? Well, I think a lot. Um, even though he set out, he still practices all the time. He's in great shape. You know, he's a great practice player. So he was always preparing like he was playing. Um, so I would anticipate him playing a lot. I know earlier in the season you were concerned about do you rep him as a starter or not. How did you manage that for him through the season? Well, we hadn't. You know, once, <clears throat> you know, they said, you know, he'd lost whatever it was that <clears> – <throat> You know, we, we couldn't afford to use those reps, so um, he's been down on service team. He actually started this week playing receiver on service to help us over there because we were down numbers, um, you know, until we found out. But with, with Stadium, they played probably the best game they played in two months this past week with those 40-some players. What they do differently, especially offensively, to kind of get rolling against a good defense? Yeah, I mean, they were patient. They checked the ball down a lot. Um, you know, Georgia copied everybody's blueprint, you know, drop eight and keep them all in front of them. And I think when you do that, you know, they were thinking they'd screw it up or they'd, you know, force the ball and, and have some turnovers, you know, which they had at times this year. And, uh, you know, they played a really clean game with no turnovers. Lane Kiffin is taking this thing seriously, but uh, not. <laughs> we got to get the leech here to vote, but he's taking it more seriously than leech. But like I said, man, he's going to find out real damn quick, you know, how serious this this is down here if they lose this game especially as a double digit favorite you know I think Kiffin is aware because right after he got hired I don't know if you remember this Shane but for whatever reason he was immediately down there at the Starkville airport and he's taking photos and all that yeah. <laughs> he knows what he's doing you know what yes sir yeah and I I, th- I think he does too and, and coach Leach I you know they're gonna they're gonna act like it's a big thing but I I'm telling you, man, these guys are going to be back next year, and it will be a bigger thing. I think they just have to – I think they both are going to have to experience what we felt and what these fans have felt for many, many years. Uh, you know, this is one of those sneaky rivalries that that get overlooked by the Iron Bowl and the, uh, you know, the, the South Carolina Clemson game, the Florida-Florida State. I mean, some of those games in the past that just – I think it just stole attention from, and this week's different. I, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more eyes on this game. And uh, I, I think the Pirate, I think uh, Coach Kiffin, I think they're both going to look at this game different after Saturday. Or mm-hmm. did they play Saturday or Thursday? Uh, no, Saturday, which is unusual. Well, you know, it's always on Thursday. It's always on yeah. Thanksgiving, but not this year. So, did, it, did, did we have any Thursday games this year? No, sir. They're all on Saturday. Oh, what are we doing? We're canceling <laughs> Vanderbilt games and we can't plug one in on Thursday. I can't look at any of them. Tennessee playing BYU Thursday. Make it happen. <laughs> All right. Let's jump to the other side of this. Well, let's go down to Starkville, Shane, where, like I hit on there, I mean, Mississippi State finally got that offense going. And, hell, they did it against Georgia. So it's not like they just did it against damn Cupcake U or anything. It, it it's so weird that it's like they saw the toughest team on their schedule. <laughs> they, that was the one they decided to wake up on. But, you know, we played the comments from Kirby after the game. It's you got to be disciplined. You can't fall asleep. We switched to man defense for one damn play and they burn our ass. And, you know, that's going to be an issue because, I mean, you could go back to, I hate to remind Ole Miss fans of this one, but it was the Auburn 
You know, the last series they had where Seth Williams caught a ball. We got two defensive backs. They got him dead to rights, and they can't make the damn play. He goes to the house. I mean, that that's something you got to be worried about Mississippi State doing to you this week because that's probably the weakest part of Ole Miss's entire team is the secondary, and hell, all Mississippi State knows how to do is throw the ball. So this, again, goes to what you're saying. Lock in that over while you can get it. This is going to be a high-scoring game as long as Mississippi State brings that same uh, enthusiasm they had last game. And, and more, I think most importantly, you know, we talk about quarterbacks and receivers in this matchup, but Mississippi State's offensive line, they came to play, and maybe maybe they're finding their footing too, and that's probably opening up the whole thing. You know what? Oh, yeah, man. Sorry. Kind of got sidetracked there. Did you ask me a question? No, nah, I'm just making some brilliant football points here, Shane. But, uh... <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking about how shitty this week's becoming, man. It's not that you don't have great points. I love your points, Mike. But I'm just I got you. I just can't I can't believe we don't have so every game is going to be played on Saturday. Yeah, unfortunately, right? and, and we problem- you know we always have the Friday, even though the damn game's never been good here lately. But we've always had Arkansas, Missouri on Friday. That's out. It's just great was, to have three. It's always great to have three days of SEC football. You know what? It, it really is. I mean, we have an opportunity. We could have had one on Thursday. Could have had one on Friday. We could have mixed it up on Saturday. Well, they got like they probably got three of them playing at seven o'clock Saturday, so we can't all watch them anymore. <laughs> this is, I, I don't know who's over this. I, I know Sankey. He, he's the talking head that comes up and says it, but surely there's a committee, and these committee people are just idiots right now. Uh, it doesn't take it doesn't take a scientist to figure out that you know you have an opportunity to to showcase every SEC game and you guys decide not to do it. That blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, the only the good news on that front, Shane, two nooners, two three thirty games, two night games. So at least they've spread it out for us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah good job defending them there, Mike. <laughs> I mean, because you could have had one on Thursday. One on Friday, two nooners, mm-hmm. and then a three and a seven, or two and three. I don't know, something like that. But anyway, I agree. All right, so let's kick it over to Coach Leach, Shane. On uh, good news here on the uh, COVID front and all that, on uh, what he knew about the Egg Bowl, his relate and his relationship on Lane Kiffin. I, th- I mean, how classic is it here? He's talking about, yeah, we well, we knew this guy named Monty Kiffin. I, I think Lane <laughs> knows him. So <laughs> here's old classic Leach for you. I don't know. That's always that's been very random. That's been one of the things that's tough this year is adjusting to that. Uh, um, <clears throat> you know, because uh, some of these things you find out at awfully short notice. Well, I I, uh, I suspect I don't know quite as much about it as you, to be perfectly honest. But I th- I do know that. Uh, you know, just over the years, even as I was a kid, I know it was always an incredibly intense game. Uh, I know it's very meaningful to people, and I know that it uh, it's in conversation, uh, you know, all year round. You know, every day. There's not a day I don't hear somebody mention the Egg Bowl. So I know it's a uh, <clears throat> a very uh, meaningful game, and uh, and uh, I, and I also know that there's been plenty of them that were exciting to watch long before I was ever even uh, in the state of Mississippi. So. Uh, no, it's it's exciting to be a part of it, and uh, it's a great opportunity to have the chance to play in one. 
coached this rivalry has been pretty bitter at times, but you and Lane Kiffin have a personal relationship. He was among the first to welcome you to Mississippi. How would you kind of describe your relationship with him? Uh, you know, just really the thing is, is I guess, uh, um, uh, I guess we both knew Monty, you know, Lane knew Monty, uh, uh, Kiffin uh, first, and then I, uh, and then I met Monty, and then and Monty introduced me and Lane. So I guess we're both mutual friends with Monty, and uh, that kind of brought us together. And then, um, uh, you know, just over the years, seeing him around, coaching, spending time with him. I mean, he's an enjoyable guy, and um, you know, and uh, you know, the the most, uh, you know, the worst thing, especially in this day and age, and in coaching or life or any time that you're uh, doing something as repetitious as football, the, the, um, <clears throat> you try, you try to avoid as many boring people as you can and Lane's not boring. So I feel I, I've always, uh, uh, been excited to, you know, spend time with him. If you're stuck at a, at one of these coaches meeting things that everybody pretends are so important, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, uh, Lane lightens it up a little bit and I didn't, I, I for one are happy he's there. So coach, uh, you mentioned how people talk about this game all year round. Is there any added pressure because of that? Because you know, this is not just another ball game. This is one that you're going to hear about all year round, win or lose. No, because I put, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm into all these games, uh, to do the very best I can, you know, and I mean, the best I can is all I've got. So, uh, no, there really isn't. I mean, uh, you know, you do your best and let the rest take care of itself pretty much, you know, uh, and then try to learn, you know, from what you did along the way and, and elevate after that. So no, there isn't, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's like, uh, the whole breakfast thing we talked about. I mean, they, they already got, they pretty much got me all, uh, uh, all some total. So, uh, uh, no, there's really not. I mean, there might be, if I, if I wasn't giving uh, full effort, concentration, something like that, if somehow I was sandbagging and and uh, holding out, but uh, you know, you, you got pretty much what I got. So, all right, Shane. So I I try to never read too much into these damn pressers because I don't know how much the coaches even want to be there, and we've certainly seen that from Mike Leach here in recent weeks. But I didn't get a good vibe that uh, you know he's feeling the importance of this game just yet. And if Ole Miss, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if Ole Miss were to whoop up on Mississippi State in Starkville, I mean, we're going to have a real problem on our hands here. Two things here, Mike. Uh, for starters, I'm not saying Coach Leach has COVID. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if you ever notice how he's always coughing and clearing his throat, like if you're sitting in a restaurant and this guy's sitting beside you and you don't know who he is, and you know he does, he's not wearing masks, properly you're, you're probably gonna leave right i mean that that's that's first thing i every time i hear <laughs> you know i'm like you're okay coach you know you can't be you can't be doing that right now it's like 23 19 they're gonna throw you back so but anyway um the, the other one the other thing I, I i gotta admit even though i didn't feel the the love or the you know the just the how important this game. I, I didn't feel that with coach Leach, but I did enjoy his comments. And that's something we haven't been able to do lately because he's usually been grumpy 
you know, defending situations, that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, they didn't win last week, but I think it was a little bit of a moral victory, and I think that carried over uh, with the media here. So I, I just, again, I just, if your coach is coming out and he's and he sounds positive, that makes you feel like practice is going good. That makes you feel like this team's taking the right step. So if you're a Mississippi State fan, I, I know I'm just I'm really reading into this. But I will say uh, the comments. It was good. To, it was good to hear Leach again. You know, happy Leach. All right, Shane. Next game up here. Really looking forward to this one. Let's go on down to the Bayou. Go Tigers. Where we got LSU, Texas A&M, and hell, this has been. You know, last year was a damn whooping. <laughs> but the games previous to that, you know, they keep they each getting better and better, and. With the exception of last year, obviously fifty to seven, that was the one I was I was about ready to fire Jimbo because <laughs> I said we can't have any more of these. And now I think we're going to get potentially some punishment, even though LSU's got some momentum going into this matchup. So that's the good news. They, we got some good news on Derek Stingley too. But I don't know thoughts on this one, Shane, because all of a sudden, you know, Texas A and M, not a natural SEC team for obviously reasons for for just not being in the league that long. But this does seem to be, you know, their key rival. And each year it seems to get more and more heated, more and more contested. And, uh, you know, this is LSU. I don't want to call it a lost season because I don't I don't think you, you throw away games. And this is what Coach O, you know, he talked about it, I think it was last week or the week before. We're playing the guys to win the games. We're not just getting young guys reps here. And if you can't accomplish a national championship, an SEC championship, with the, which is the goal at LSU, hell, maybe you can wreck it for Texas A&M or Alabama. I think that's your next biggest goal. So a lot on the line for both of these teams. And I don't know, just what, what are your thoughts on, on this game and how maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being incredible, 1 not being a rivalry at all, how would you rate this uh, LSU-Texas A&M series? I think we're at an eight right now, Mike. I, I think it's pretty significant. Um, you, you think about obviously that 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 multi overtime game. How many was it? Seven. Seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. The game I slept through uh, because I didn't think it was going to be one, <laughs> and it turned out it was going to be one. And then next, the the, the following year, it's just a it's just an embarrassment. I, I think Jimbo. I think that was the lowest of low as far as him at Texas A&M. So I think that's what makes this game intriguing because now you've, you're looking at the Aggies and you're thinking, hey, they have the potential to, to throw a 57 game uh, out. And I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but, um, you know, I, 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 how can you not go into this game thinking about – and Jimbo's going to – you're going to hear him here in a minute. He's going to defend it saying, you know, revenge isn't – blah, blah, blah. But you, when you when that happens, man, that that sticks in your crawl, and and now you've got a better team in my, in a lot of folks' eyes. Not saying that they're going to just win this thing, but I, I expect more steam, and I expect this thing to get ugly, and, and I expect Jimbo, if he does get the lead, I don't see him letting up at all because deep down inside, this is a rivalry. Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, after that overtime affair. I mean, there's punches being thrown. Uh, there's assistance going back and forth in the, these right. two 
recruit the same areas. I mean, this is a 365-day rivalry here. So, like I said, this is – LSU is not going to – this is not the season we wanted. This is not what LSU plays for. But if you're not going to accomplish those things, knocking Texas A&M down a peg when they're in the, the best season it's looking like in the history of the SEC of, of their time being in the league, I mean, that's about what you got to play for here. So let's kick it over to Coach O first on, uh, you know, getting to Kellen Mond, that being key to this game. On the latest update, Derek Stingley, he left the last game, did not return. He's asked about that seven overtime game, of course, and if his young LSU team, if they're finally growing up. Uh, we've seen in years past, and, and even this year as well, in Texas A&M games where there is defensive pressure on Kellen Mond. He's struggled in the pocket. Um, how important is it for this team to develop a good pass rush on Monday yeah. to make Mond feel? You know what? Hey, it makes sense. You know, uh, what, what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, last year we put some pressure on him, and uh, we're going to have to, just like any game. But you know what? The good part about this team is that we can put pressure with a four-man rush. I feel comfortable uh, rushing for and playing coverage. Uh, that's, what, that's your best defense now. If we have to blitz him, uh, we have to put some pressure on the ball, has a bunch of blitzes. But I think the first thing that we need to do is be able to rush with four. Hey, Ed, do you now have an, uh, later an update on Derek Stingley? How's he doing? What's his status? Yeah, uh, Derek's going to practice today. Uh, he's going to be in a gold jersey. Uh, he looks like he's going to be okay. I haven't had a final. He's not cleared totally yet, but it looks like he's going to be fine. Hey, Coach, with it being Texas A&M and your first trip back there since that uh, <laughs> seven over a couple years ago. You had to remind me. Sorry, man. You know, you know I kind of had to. But, um, that ended being your first ranked opponent. Is there any added emotions to this game this weekend? You know, I think that, you know, you could internally, uh, I thought about it this morning, to be honest with you, when I saw the film and I saw the stadium, uh, some thoughts came by. And uh, But you know what? It's my job to be able to prevent problems uh, this week, have a great practice, and not not allow those things to happen that happened to us last last time, and uh, we got we got to go and play our best game. I think Texas A&M is a much better team when they're playing at home than they're playing on the road. At least our series, uh, they're gonna play their best football. They're gonna have a great crowd, probably the first time, and I'm imagining they're gonna have a great crowd. Probably the first time this year that the crowd noise will be a factor. Uh, we're gonna have to be able to handle it. Uh, we better handle the emotions. They're gonna be sky high. They haven't played in a while, but so will we. Hey, Coach, uh, obviously Texas A&M comes in with a pretty high-powered uh, run rushing attack, and yeah. you guys did, you know, show some strides last weekend against Arkansas yeah. in that area. Uh, I was just wondering, just through watching the film, just yeah. what, what were some of the things that you guys noticed that you did a little bit better in stopping the run? Well, you know, uh, I, th I thought our guys dominated their offensive line. That's, that's the first time I can tell you that. I think that we had some little run stunts in there. Then we did very well. We played we play with good technique. Uh, we didn't let the ball run inside the tackles, and we tackled well. Now, uh, Texas A&M has a great running attack. Uh, Spiller is an outstanding player. They have some speed back there. They put different guys back there to run. Uh, Tommy Robinson, who played, uh, coached with us, coaches the running back, does a great job. You can see 21 personnel. You can see 12 personnel. There's a lot of pro-style stuff. Jim Bull's a very good coach. They use their tight end well. They throw to their tight end. A very balanced offense, but the run game starts with their offensive line. I think this is one of the better offensive lines that we have faced this year. Coach, do you uh, think that your team has uh, is maybe 
starting to grow up a little bit or is can you see that because on saturday it looked like in a lot of respects um the old lsu yeah uh, better defense yep. running the ball do you think yep. this team is maybe starting to to get it whatever that is yeah it, it sure looked like it Ed. it felt like it and you know what it, it not only felt like it during the game it felt like in those three weeks of practice we was embarrassed about our performance at Auburn. i took the blame we got to get better. We got to practice better. We got better leadership. We got to coach better. And uh, we were not playing like LSU should play. Uh, did we play like an LSU football team? We looked at it at some time. We looked like an LSU football team, but we still have ways to go. But we have some young players that are believing and hopefully making the play the last play of the game gave our guys some belief and some confidence to fight through that they can win. All right, Shade. So I particularly like that last question about uh, you know the team making progress because it, that kind of goes to, like you like to say, Bruce Banner or the Hulk. LSU's loaded with so much talent, but a lot of it is young talent, and it's you know that I think that's the challenge with Coach O is is getting these guys up, getting them ready, getting them to play consistent football, and we just saw what can happen when they do that. They had to win the game on. The last drive there against Arkansas, and they got it done. So, uh, just my question to you, Shane, if we get the Hulk here, we don't get Bruce Banner. I mean, can LSU make this thing a game in College Station? Absolutely, man. Not just that. Not just a game. They could blow Texas A&M out of the water. I truly believe that that if this LSU team that is riddled with talent, not that the Aggies aren't, it, it's just I, I I think that the problem with LSU is that they are young and they're and they're still not clicking on all cylinders. They're still not working as a team, and and I think as soon as they figure that out, they're going to be extremely dangerous. But if you get the best out of LSU, absolutely. They can beat anybody in the SEC. I, I'm, I'll be the first to tell you. The, the thing is, though, they haven't. They've not played a complete game since this entire season. So, you know, odds are we're not going to get that Hulk that that we were promised coming into this season. So, um, I, I think the Aggies are going to be fine. But you still got to you still got to be ready, man. You still got to be prepared because there are a lot of players on that team that are going to be playing NFL on Sundays. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's kick it down to the other side real quick. Let's go to College Station. Giga Maggots. Where uh, Jimbo Fisher met with the media and was talking up uh, T.J. Finley and what stands out about LSU. And he was asked if this, you know, this is a rivalry, is this a, a revenge game? Uh, let's kick it over to Jimbo. Y'all have no uh, uh, policies right now? No. Our guys all should be there. Yes, sir. Yeah, Jimbo, when you – when you think of that, when you watch this LSU quarterback, T.J. Finley, yeah. what really stands out about him? And does he remind you of any of those big physical QBs you had when you were at LSU? Yeah, he does. I mean, listen, he can get the ball all over the field. I saw him play in high school and different things. It was like uh, it was a 707 my son was playing, and I saw he was at a tournament down in Miami one time. Man, and when you see him in person, he's impressive. His size, his length, uh, very strong arm, very athletic, runs good for a big guy, hard to get on the ground, strong body, can reach all parts of the field. I mean, you know, he's only played a few football games, but you see the sky's the limit for him and, and has a, is a very, very talented young man. <laughs> you, you, went down, you went down most of the roster for LSU, but when you turn on the tape, is there one particular area of the team that kind of jumps out at you? Huh. 
I think their overall athleticism, just to be able to run and play with big bodies. I mean, their ends can rush. Uh, the tight ends are so athletic. The receivers are big and strong. The backs, the the DBs can all. I mean, they're, they're, they all do athletically across it. There's a lot of draft picks on there. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, big bodies that can play. I mean, I, to say that, no, I don't think there's any one area that just jumps out at you. But what jumps out at you as a team is their overall size, speed, and athleticism. Yeah, Jimbo, this game has been billed ever since A&M entered the SEC as, as the rivalry game uh, between these two teams. So uh, with the, the game last year going the way that it did, have your guys talked at all? Have you heard anybody talking about kind of a revenge game, so to speak? No, and I, cause I don't speak like that. I'm sure they want to play well. I mean, anytime you get beat, you want to go back and play and compete very well. But I don't ever like the word revenge. I think revenge clouds your thinking. I think that you got two different teams, two different groups of people, two different years apart. You want to win because somebody had success against you. I mean, that's human nature. That's common. You want you want to stand back up and represent your program and what you do, and hopefully we'll play well. But I don't ever get into revenge because, like I say, one, it's the, those group of guys are gone. Our group of guys are gone. Some are here, some aren't. But I always felt revenge clouds your thinking. you got to base on what you have now and who you are and what you do. Uh, would you consider this a, a rivalry game between A&M and LSU? Well, rivalry games are usually when both sides win. That's happened. Both the games are very important to the for the conference and, and for the league you're in. So yeah, I mean these are getting to be that way. I mean whether it's a rivalry or not, I don't know that. I just know it's a very important football game. One, it's the next game and it's a big game and it's a team that you have to play well against to to reach your goals and and, and the SEC West to get to where you have to go in the national spotlight. So it's a very important game, whether it's a rivalry game or not. That's that's up for other people to decide. It's just an extremely important game. I know that each and every year. Hey, Coach, we hear a lot about complimentary football, right? It just seems like right now you guys on both sides of the ball, but before obviously the two-week hiatus, playing really well together. Like get a turnover or get a stop, and you go down and score, Coach, and you separate from, their, from mm -hmm. your opponent. How, how big do you think that is right now for you guys? I think it's, it's a part of football that we don't talk about enough. We talk about third down, we talk about red zone, we talk about all the stats. But when do they come? When do they occur? How, what's the accumulation of when they occur? What, what's the, you know, how the offense and defense played each other? Momentum of the game and controlling momentum of the game and swings in the game. I think it's a very big part. And I think it's usually a very good sign of a football team that's understanding, you know, how to playing well is one thing. Winning is another. There's two different parts to that. I really believe that. And you can play well and not always win. You know what I mean? And you can win and not always play well. you got to know, and you can steal games, and you can play games and do things and, and play real well in games and situations not handled. It, it's, it's, a, it's an ever-educating process. And I don't care what I think I got figured out as a coach. It educates me, too, because games, you know, games fly off every weekend of different reasons. But I think controlling those momentum swings and understanding that and understanding that momentum and, and when to turn it up, turn it, and I say you turn it up, but really to really enhance and, and execute at those right times is pivotal. And, in critical parts of the game, and our team's doing it, was doing a very good job of that. Hopefully, we'll continue. All right, Shane. So he's keeping it, uh, you know, his cards close to the vest. But I kind of agree with you. I mean, after that seven overtime game, you could really tell this was personal to LSU, and they showed it on the field last year against the Aggies. Now I fully expect Texas A&M. Remember, they've only beaten LSU one time, and that was that was basically the biggest win of the Jimbo era. And that was a couple of years ago, so that's not saying much. But now this, potentially, this could be the biggest win of the Jimbo era if we put a whipping on LSU and just kind of show them that, uh, you know, every time they come into College Station, expect a loss. Whereas I think in years past, they it doesn't matter where this game is 
being played. LSU is expecting a win. I think we're going to see some bad blood in this one. How about you? Absolutely, man. Well, and another thing too, you you got to keep in mind that we're we're playing for the playoffs, man. We got the committee about they're they're going to be here right around the corner. When folks see LSU, they think of national championships. They think of Joe Burrow, you know, throwing dimes out there. That's that's they still have that. That's they're not far removed from that. So in gen, I know uh, there's a couple coaches saying that you know how you win is not really important. Just the fact that you do well, that's bullshit. Especially if you're trying to get into a college football playoff, you've got to win, and you got to win convincingly. And if they're able to do that, that's just padding that resume at the end of the season when they're trying to get into a college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And one uh, last thing here for the Aggies, uh, a concern for, for me, Shane, we saw it against uh, last week, Alabama, Kentucky. We saw it, Auburn, Tennessee. Those two teams that were off you know, for so long, mm-hmm. they were kind of lulled in that game. They were slow and – you know, Kentucky and Tennessee, they had their opportunities early. LSU got some momentum last week. Texas A&M has not played in three weeks. I'm not saying that defines the game because, you, you know, they're going to be rested. But they were they had so much momentum. They were playing so well. It was almost a situation where you probably didn't even want to stop playing because you were just ripping through all your opponents. Texas A&M's really got to come out here fast because they can get in a hole. And LSU... You know, I know their defense, you could score on them, but what they showed against Arkansas, they won that game because their defense was strong on third down. They really stifled Arkansas's running game. And if they can carry that over into this Texas A&M game and slow down Texas A&M's running game, that's going to be real trouble. So I'm, I'll be interested to see if Texas A&M's confidence and, and their, their continuity on the offensive line, everything they had going for them, if they can just pick that up after having not played football for three weeks. Yeah, well, that's true. That is very true. And and if LSU shows the improvement that that they've had all season, I mean, if they keep improving week after week, then who knows? Uh, at the end of the at the end of this season, teams the, the games are going to be tougher. And uh, but I, I'm with you, man. That's that's one thing I haven't really thought about is just how far removed they are from actually playing football. So. Uh, we've seen a couple teams a little little sluggish when they start. You know, is that is that what we get, or do we we get the Texas A and M Aggies firing on all cylinders like they were a couple weeks ago? Mm-hmm. All right, final match uh, to to break down here. Shane, let's jump on down to Gainesville, where the Gators coming off uh, you know a decent win here against Vanderbilt. It was kind of a ho hum one. It? it was it what everyone expected, but. Hell, they didn't cover that 30-point spread. <laughs> so everyone's up in arms. Defense had a couple rough outings here, and now we're going up against a Kentucky team that, uh, say what you will, I know Mark Stoops and company, they're, they're worried, they're hurt, they're, they're thinking about uh, you know the perception issues they may have now after 60-point loss. But if there's one damn team that, for whatever reason – Kentucky matches up with well, and they come into these games, you know, expecting to win against one of the better SEC teams. It's Florida. The last time they came down here to Gainesville, obviously they won. Probably would have won last year if not for Kyle Trask getting into the lineup and and just slicing and dicing their defense. So I don't know thoughts on this one, Shane, because we just saw Florida's defense 
not outstanding. And I know Kentucky, it's not like they have some outstanding offense that can take advantage of it all the time. But, you know, if you get that ground game going, which that's been a real, real issue for Florida. And we'll get, we'll get to Dan Mullen here in a moment. But Kentucky's pass defense, they intercept more passes than anybody in the SEC. Now, you know, if, if you get into a, I don't want to say a shootout, but you, you get in a situation where you got to score a lot of points. It's not exactly the secondary you want to go up against. So is this perhaps a sneaky game here, Florida and Kentucky? <laughs> I'll spin zone Mike. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the one thing that, that Florida has shown is is the inability to stop the run. That I, 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 they just they haven't figured it out for some reason. I think that's what Kentucky has to do. They, they Obviously, first off, they got to be healthy. Uh, they've they have shown when they limp into a game and, and, and don't have the competitive depth needed that they just cannot play against these tough opponents. Um, you know, Alabama had their way with them, and and with the even with with the second team, they were they were able to to move the ball at will. So that's discouraging. If now if they were able to get some of those guys back, then yeah, I I definitely could see it. But it's going to be, it, it's going to have to be one of those that. It's, it's slow, it's monotonous, it's moving the chains, it's keeping Florida off the field. But even then, I mean, it's also going to take a flawless game, Mike. It's going to take mm-hmm. absolutely zero mistakes. You know, K- Kentucky was doing that at times last week, but as soon as they made a mistake, Alabama was there to take advantage of it. And then next thing you know, you're looking at their taillights, buddy. Yeah, and I say all that uh, positive stuff, Shane. Now I'll flip it. The other side, because Kyle Pitts is back. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> Kentucky's not going to have any answer for him. No one does. And the mm-hmm. fact that these games have been tight, you know, I think this is a complete opposite of what we get in Vanderbilt last weekend where I don't know how seriously Florida took them, and yet we won by 21 points. I mean, right. this is SEC football. We're, we're, this is not Cupcake U we're talking about here so if they get more focused on their opponent which they should based on the last couple of games uh, Kentucky could be in some real trouble here so let's kick it over to Dan Mullen that's something he talks about Uh, Kyle Pitts coming back Kyle Pitts did he ever think about opting out adjusting the defense heading into this uh, Kentucky game considering what happened last year and what happened the year before with Kentucky is that kind of the way you're looking at it well absolutely I mean they're a really good football team you know um you know I think they had a tough game last week but that you know that was out of the out of the kind of the norm with how that game played out for them and even if you look at it you know into the second quarter they were driving in for a field goal to make it seven six in the middle of the second quarter and then um you know they snapped the ball then you know some some kind of like some you know weird things started happening for them and the game got away from them. But uh, you look at them, uh, very good defensive team, stout up front, one of the best pass defenses in the, in, in the, in the conference. And, uh, you know, and then they, they complemented playing ball control football and their, their physicality and how they're able to run the ball. So uh, for us, and you know, I mean, always, I mean, this is a, you know, you know, you're always going to get their best uh, when they get, they, they come play the Gators. So, um, you know, we gotta, uh, we, we gotta continue to take strides moving forward. You see guys all over the country opting out. Mm-hmm. You're not seen it from teams, championship caliber teams. But was there any concern to Kyle? I mean, he's a top 10 pick here. He's pretty significant injury. Asked after, was there any concern on his part or your part that he might consider to 
opt out at this point? I wasn't. I mean, that'd be a question probably for him to see where, where he was. I mean, he was always, uh, you know, he wanted to, he was trying to play this past game and uh, he wanted to go play uh, this past weekend. So uh, I don't think that was ever something that that popped up. Um, you know, I think I think if you just look at his competitive spirit, who he is, I mean, you know, he's played with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder most of the year. And I think he wants to continue to do that. And, uh, you know, so I I. I I mean, you can ask him and, and, and the family, but I mean, everything we're in close contact with the family, and it was one he thought he was should have been cleared to play this past weekend, and um, obviously wasn't. And, and you know, I mean, even if if it was on the edge, we would have been extremely, extremely conservative with putting him back out there on the field. Yeah, Dan, you had said a couple of weeks back that uh, you kind of wanted to go back to the drawing board defensively, just make sure mm -hmm. you were getting guys, you know, in the right spots to make plays based on their ability. How do you feel like that's gone so far, and, and is there anything you still want to tweak? No, I think it's gone pretty well. Um, you know, you look there on Saturday. Uh, defensively, you know, we gave a couple explosive plays. A couple of them were really good offense. Uh, not bad defense, just really good offense. There were a couple of plays I didn't think we, we executed very well. Uh, but, you know, their, their final eight drives of the game, they had seven points. So I thought overall we played pretty good defensively. Uh, you know, and like I said, some of the big plays. I, you, you get upset at the big plays, then we play bad defense. I don't get upset at big plays when the other team plays great offense. Um, you know, I, we see great offense. You know what I mean? You, you can sit there and say, you know, I, I always go back to our first game of the season. Like, you know, the, it, and it's, it, it, it's just – it is the game of football. We played – Kyle Pitts made a catch, and, you know, Lane Kiffin said oh, – I don't know. We called the defense to have two guys cover him, and he jumped over both guys and caught the ball. I, you know, I mean, that, that we're certainly not going to sit there and say we played bad defense on that play. That was just really good offense. And I think on Saturday, a couple of their explosives uh, were really good offense. And uh, their guys made plays, and that's going to happen. You just got to get up and go play the next play. So, uh, But overall, um, what you want to eliminate are the bad defensive plays. And there were a couple that we gave up, I thought, explosive plays that we didn't, you know, we didn't wasn't great defense and that's the stuff you have to eliminate but for, for um you know the majority of of the game uh I thought we were pretty solid um Kentucky is second in the league in interceptions Kyle is second in least interceptions I feel like something we'll probably have to give there and do you ever get a little worried with some of the tight window throws he makes is, is that just guts on his part or practice to know he can get it in there yeah um one I think we have a lot of confidence in him you know the majority of them I'm not that worried about you know because uh I know what he's doing there's it's um it, there it, it might look high risk but uh, he knows what he's doing it's not like I'm taking a chance you know that's where the ball's got to go and it's a tight window I got to have great timing and I got to put it in that window especially if they're going to drop all kinds of people into coverage um, like we've been seeing, you know, and, you know, the benefit of them dropping a lot of people in coverage is he has a lot, he, you know, really doesn't get much rush on him. So, you know, I mean, he can kind of sit back there, take his time, find the window and deliver the ball. And, uh, you know, there's every, there's a couple every once in a while. I'm like, wow, that was a, that was a, that was a heck of a throw. You know, that was, I don't want to make livings making, you know, doing that all the time, making that throw. Uh, but, you know, um, I don't see him make, poor decisions you know that way you know and and so that is the most important one to me it's like boy 
the read told you to not throw to this guy and you still tried to force it into a tight window. You know, he goes where the read takes him and he makes the throw and tries to do it on time. And then their coverage dictates how that window is going to open. All right, Shane. So, I mean, that's kind of what you want to hear about Kyle Pitts. Never really consideration to opt out when he could have. I mean, he's another one of these guys that, you know, has really helped his stock. I mean, he's going to be the, one of the first players taken, I feel like, the way he's playing. And, and he's made himself a ton of money. So uh, I just think that's it's great to see someone, uh, you know, improve their stock the way he has. And given the fact that uh, he, he suffered a minor setback here, still no consideration to, to leave in a Florida team that's trying to chase down an SEC and national championship. Isn't it wild? I mean, you you got him in the Heisman race. So – Let's think about last year. You had you had Joey, and he, he, he didn't make it on Ohio State's team. He comes down to LSU. He's in a, a competitive battle. He wins that job, and two years later, he's he's a number one pick. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then and then you look at at Kyle, a guy that didn't even didn't even start on his own high school football team, was like a career backup, and stayed there at Florida just waiting his time, waiting his time. You know, a lot of things had to, had to happen for him to even get out there. And now with the opportunity, he's, he's again, he's looking at being a top. I, I could see him being a top five quarterback easily picked in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just amazing to me that, I mean, his story alone and, and coming in, I mean, it's just, I don't think he could have done it without, I don't know if he, I don't know if that's fair because, I, I think Dan Mullen obviously gave him this opportunity, saw something in him, and uh, and and has groomed him to be a fantastic quarterback. Do you think? Let me ask you, and I'm just playing a little devil's advocate here. Do you think Kyle's the way he's playing now? Do you think that's more about coaching and the surrounding pieces, or are you looking at Kyle's and, and saying, you know what, he's he's First grade material. He he's legit. Or a combination. I don't know. Yeah, I, I honestly I think it's a combination of both. I mean, this is something that I think Dan Mullen will continue to sell on, and he deserves every right to do it. You know, his ability to uh, to develop these guys, but at the same time, I mean, we've got the nation's best tight end, mm-hmm. and we've got. Uh, Justin Shorter was a five-star receiver who transferred in from Penn State, and Trevon Grimes was a five-star receiver transferred in from Ohio State. And we've all seen Tony, how outstanding he is. And I I think uh, Florida had four, if I'm not mistaken, receivers drafted last year. They all made their NFL rosters. I think that's the highest in the nation from last year's, from any team in the country. So he's been certainly been surrounded by talent, but you know, some of these throws, like I particularly go back to that Arkansas game that we watched because it was just like, these guys were not even open Mm -hmm. yet. He was just putting them in these tiny, tiny windows that only his receivers can make the play. And that ain't luck. You know what I mean? That's talent and skill and preparation. And these receivers are making a hell of a play. So that's why I say it's a combination of, of all of it. But I also go back to this Kentucky game last year, Shane, when Felipe Franks tragically went down for the season due to injury. 
and then insert this Kyle Trask, who never really seen much significant action, mm-hmm. and instantly the team looked better. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before, and he has just never looked back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so he's got it himself. It's just I think it's a combination of all the factors. Yeah, I just. I don't know, man. I just I, I I think about the quarterbacks that Dan's been around, and, and I want to give him credit, you know, for developing these guys. But then, like you said, that Arkansas game in particular, you're right. There were some windows that were it. Just, there were NFL throws. There was a lot of NFL quarterbacks that couldn't make those throws. So that's that's what I'm seeing, and I don't know if that's just again that's just God gift you know, uh, this talent that he's received or if it's a combination. So, but it is, it is, I, my eyebrows are raised. I, I want to see what else he can do. I want to see what else coach, uh, can do down there with those guys and, and maybe even some of his own recruits because, uh, he keeps this up, man. I mean, he, he, out of everybody that we joke about being a quarterback whisperer, I think after this season, you got to at least consider Dan Mullen as that. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, last thing, Shane. Let's jump on down to Lexington real quick. Where these are not the questions and comments you want to be getting at this time of year, but uh, Mark Stoops and his Wildcat team facing some serious questions here, Shane. Where you know, I think the first sign of this trouble was when Missouri just just whipped them at their own game. And then here in Alabama, the 60-point loss, it just seems like that potentially is going to loom large. And now we got to reset immediately and face a team that could just as easily put up 60 on you again. So let's kick it over to Mark Stoops talking about uh, the fact they need to hit that reset button on trying to keep his players engaged. He's, he calls it – he doesn't say shit show. He says blank show. <laughs> and that on what Kentucky needs to be competitive in this matchup. You know, honestly, I was trying to figure out what he was saying. I was like, blank show. I was like, I never heard that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Mark, this game against Florida has had a lot of juice in recent years, especially at the beginning of the season. Do you use the, I don't know if rivalry is the right word, but do you use that to kind of try to refocus your players' attention uh, this week? De- definitely need to hit the reset button. There were things out of our control last week. Again, absolutely no excuses. It, it's, it's you know. But as far as our players' mentality, we have to um, reset and um, and get back to playing uh, the way we're capable of. And and yes, we're excited about um, just us and our play and the way you know. Hopefully, we can have a a normal week and um, and get back on track. the league there's a whole jungle of teams kind of in the same boat as you guys with you know the records and everything it, it is it's a difficult it's a difficult question um yeah it's it's a it, i really don't know how to answer your question to be totally honest with you um there's nine teams in our league with three wins or less i mean it's it's what's that word you put in front of show it's a blank show you know and uh I don't have coaches, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I don't even want to say it because I don't want anybody attacking me for excuses. 
it's it sucks you know it's it's very difficult it's very difficult to uh you know pick your players up each and every day but that we're going to try our best and we're going to continue to fight and again we will be there we'll we'll play uh you know so uh there's issues that we're dealing with but we'll be there Hey, Mark, I know there were some extremely extenuating circumstances this past Saturday, but to continuously see that score scroll along the bottom of my TV screen, I know there were a lot of fans that were uh, were frustrated. So, uh, you know, this coming weekend, other than becoming the best version of yourself, what's going to be required in order to maybe recapture that enthusiasm and, and respect? Yeah, we got to go out and play better. I mean, it, it is what it is, you know. Um, you know, there, there's uh, nobody that that uh, really cares about the extenuating circumstances, and and uh, we don't as a staff either. It is what it is. We have to go out and do a better job, and we will. I anticipate that our players will respond. Uh, we'll have a good week of practice, and we'll go out and play hard. And I'll tell you, there were some a lot of players. Uh, that that played extremely hard against a very very talented team, um, and then and uh, you know I, I I appreciate the effort of of certain guys that's for sure. And there's nobody giving up around here. There's going to be guys that are going to go out there and play extremely hard. We're going to coach extremely hard, and we're going to get better. We'll get through this. We've been through difficult times before, and uh, we'll get through it again. And uh, Again, uh, just like Josh or somebody brought up earlier, we're not alone. There's nine teams in our league that have uh, the same win, win total. You know, so uh, I don't think their fan base cares either. All right, so so Shane, you don't want to hear your coach saying, you know, this season's been a damn shit show, but there it is. I mean, uh, this we all recognize Mark Stoops as a good coach, but he is really going to have to do. I think the best coaching he's ever had, he's ever done at the tail end of this season, just to just to hold this damn thing together, because it seems like seems like we're falling apart here in Kentucky, and and that's not where you want to be going into a game against the Florida Gators. You know what? That's true, Mike, and it's that old saying they they always remember what you did in November, and because that's your final that's your final closing act, and uh, if it's if it feels like you're going in the wrong direction, I don't know. It just gives your team bad mojo. So I, I think you're right. I think these next few games are, are extremely important for the Big Blue Nation. And if they're able to find success on the ground, Shane? Is, is Rodriguez going to be? I mean, do we know if he's going to be there? It sounds like he is. It sounds, and this, is, <laughs> this sucks, too. Not that it would have made a huge difference, but uh, apparently there was – some kind of false positive. Golly. So <laughs> he probably had to sit the last game and didn't even need to, you know what? But, uh, hey, this that's got to be the recipe for having success against Florida is just chewing up the clock, getting the uh, Rodriguez in it, smoke, Rose, if he's there, and and just, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the only way that I can see this team, mm-hmm. you know, making this thing competitive. And I'd like to see it because I – I don't think I could take another 60-point game here. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, I, I, I think and, – and I don't think, Marks, I don't think that's what we're going to get here, Mike. I, I just I, I just think they they got behind the eight ball and they got there quick. And when it did, it unraveled. And, 
and just everything went against him. I, I, I don't I don't think that's what we're gonna have. I was overreacting a little bit with Mark last week. You know, I didn't really assess the their current situation as far as their roster. Uh but if if they're able to get some of those guys back, I, I definitely expect them to be a little bit more competitive. And if you think about this this rivalry, because I don't I'm not I guess you a lot of people don't call it a rivalry, but you, you got to admit that there's been some fantastic games played between these two ball clubs, and mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't matter what your record was coming in. Uh, usually, it's it's toward the start of the season, and uh, it and it's been good. I mean, we've we've had Kentucky go down there. Uh, we have Terry Wilson, as much as much shit as I give him, you know, he was able to go to the swamp and come away with a victory. There's not a lot of quarterbacks playing in the SEC that have been able to do that. So. Uh, this is a this is a, always been a sneaky good game. Even last year, uh, it, you had a quarterback get injured. You had you did have Kyle come in. You had the ankle the infamous ankle twist. You know there was, there was a lot of a lot of crazy things going on during this game. Mm-hmm. Was that last year? That was last year, right? Ankle twist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, Cash Cash Daniels. <laughs> and it was the year before before that. You know, Kentucky won that game and. He was yeah. pouring the damn beers on himself, or, or it was it was water, it was water. water. But yeah. uh, I mean, Florida took massive offense to that. They did it to themselves after they beat Kentucky <laughs> last year. So yeah, there's some serious bad blood on this one. All right, Shane. So I think that's going to do it for uh, this episode, and just hopeful that uh, none of these damn other games get uh, <laughs> yeah postponed or moved or whatever, because. Uh, you know, I would, I would like to break down. We got some other good rivalry games we got to discuss. We got, uh, of course, the Iron Bowl. I mean, can't wait to break down that one. And we've got Georgia, South Carolina. That's always a fun game. And then, hell, we got a new one. We got Vanderbilt, Missouri. So, hey. So, did you get, I mean, is that what we're waiting on? Some of the coaches to talk and, and all that? Correct. Yeah. They'll, they'll go on Tuesday. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, this is, this is good. Um, now, did the SEC come out with any statements or anything when, when they rolled this thing out, you know, mixing the teams up? Or have they said anything about, you know, there's still potential for movement? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the whole deal. I mean, there's there's always going to be potential for movement here on out, five days up before a game is played. So, yeah, so, yeah, it's just kind of TBD, you know what? I got you, brother. Well, no, I'm excited, uh, a little disappointed. I mean, this, this was a... This is tough news, man. I wasn't expecting a Tennessee not to play. Um, I wasn't expecting there, for some reason, not to be football till Saturday. I was hoping that this would be a week full of football. So I guess it's just NFL uh, Thursday, and that's it. But I'm not complaining because it's Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful that we have SEC football at all this year, Mike. Yeah, absolutely, Shane. Well, uh, hey, that's going to do it. If you made it this far, if you don't mind giving us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app, we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. We've got nearly every team covered with those beer koozies, so send that on over to thatsecpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll send you a beer koozie of your choice in exchange for just doing that. So thanks for joining me, Shane, as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls.